Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Encounter Church, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your life. If you want more information about Encounter Church, please go to our website, encounterchurch.ag. Thanks again. Enjoy the message. All right, how many of you are ready for the Word of God this morning? Amen. Amen. I encourage you to take good notes. Um, you can go to the YouVersion app. If you haven't downloaded that, just go to your favorite app store, whether that's Apple or the other guy, and download the YouVersion app, and there, go to the events section, look for Encounter Church Sedalia, and you can download the notes today, or we also have paper uh, copies for those of you that are old school this morning. I love paper copies, um, so those are back there as well. But make sure you take really, really good notes. We are in part six of a series that we're simply calling No Matter What. Now, this series is a, a study on the book of Philippians. Paul is writing to the church of Philippi, and, and all the way through this study, he's encouraging, him, encouraging the church. He's saying things like, guys, I know you're going to face opposition. I know things aren't always going to be easy, but no matter what, I encourage you to choose joy. Did you know that we have a choice in life? We do. You have a choice of how you're going to respond to life. I have a choice of how I'm going to respond to life, how I'm going to respond to the way that person talks to me, how I'm going to respond to that situation that I encounter, how I'm going to respond to that phone call that I get. No matter what I come up against, I have an opportunity to choose joy. So that's what Paul is trying to get at as he's talking to the church of Philippi. No matter what, choose a life of joy in Christ. So I want to encourage you, the church, the body of Christ, I want to encourage you in this season of uncertainty, in this season of frustration, in this season of fear, let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Let the joy of the Lord rest deep inside of you. Now, let me kind of move forward here a little bit. I don't know about you, but I'm a a visual guy. There was a reason why I was born and raised in the show me state. I'm one of those guys that I want to see how do you make this happen? Don't just talk me through it because if you just talk me through it, I'm, I'm going to derail. I'm going to see a squirrel. Something shiny is going to come in. I'm going to get lost in the moment. I'm just going to be honest with you. But if you will show me, if you will demonstrate it to me, it helps me to move forward and really grab a hold of what I need to do. So I'm a visual person. Any other visual learners in the house? Absolutely. However, here's the deal. No matter how good the example is, it's only able to inspire at best. Example, I've discovered that the restroom in our basement of our house has a leak, and I thought it was around the the stool, so I replaced the wax ring Okay, that didn't fix it. So I thought it was the flush valve. And some of you were like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Just humor me. Go on with me. It's a good story. So I changed all that out. The leak is still there. Well, now I've discovered that it's actually leaking between the tank and the stool itself. There are two screws that go down through the tank with rubber gaskets that's supposed to keep the water from dripping from the tank past the stool onto the floor. 
Okay? So I'm like, how do you fix that? So I went to the greatest source ever, YouTube. And I went on YouTube and I found a 10-minute video of how you change out two screws. And I was like, I can do this. This is so simple. There's a little kit that I can buy at Lowe's or Menards or any of those places. It comes with two screws and a couple gaskets, a couple washers, and some wing nuts. And man, I can make this happen. I'm inspired in the moment. But here's the deal. As inspiring as that video was, my toilet still leaks. Do you know why? Because I haven't applied what I've learned. I haven't gone and gotten the new screws. I haven't gone to get the rubber gaskets. I haven't taken the old tank off and removed the old rusty screws and worn out. I haven't done any of that, but I've watched the video. I'm inspired. But until I begin to apply All I've gained is head knowledge. You see, it takes so much more than just an example on the outside to accomplish the task. It takes power. It takes ability. It takes determination on the inside. In other words, working hard to bring about the results. In fact, in watching this video, I discovered that most likely my wife, she doesn't necessarily know this yet, but my wife gets to help me in this project. Because there's a moment as I'm putting this stool back together that I need her to straddle the toilet, grab a hold of that tank, and push down as I'm tightening the screws. So we've got to work hard to bring about results. And then I began to think about our walk with Jesus Christ. How often do we come in on a Sunday morning? We listen to a message and and maybe, maybe if we're lucky, we leave a little bit inspired. We leave excited. We leave ready to conquer the world, but we never really seem to apply what we've learned. Well, the Bible says in our text this morning, Philippians chapter 2, the latter portion of 12 into 13, Paul says, work hard. Look at your neighbor and say, work hard. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Obeying God with deep reverence and fear, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. As inspiring as the Word of God is. Can I just tell you, this is so much better than YouTube. There's so much that we can learn, that we can gain, that we can grab a hold of from the Word of God. But if we fail to apply it into our lives, all we are is left inspired. Paul says, work hard. In other words, apply what you've learned. What we have to understand is none of this journey, none of this thing we call life is to be done on our own. We have to allow God to begin to work in us, but also through us in order that we can achieve what he has for us. Let me say that again. We must allow God to work in us and even through us so that we can achieve what God 
has for us. The problem is life oftentimes, as we attempt it by ourselves, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but I would venture to say that many in this room, oftentimes we attempt life by ourselves. We make statements like this, well, I can do this. I can make this happen. I'm I'm determined I can accomplish this task. Some of you, when you get a new piece of furniture or whatever it happens to be, you put it together without the instructions because you can do this. The problem is you end up putting something in upside down or you end up with extra parts on the, on the backside, right? I saw somebody one time put together a little tiny stand The problem is they put the back on upside down. So rather than taking it back apart, they just broke the bottom loose and called it good. That's really oftentimes how life is. We have to break something loose and now there's fragments, there's issues, there's problems because we've tried it on our own without ever going to the owner's manual. But Paul says, work hard. Work hard to show the results. Work hard to let what I'm doing on the inside come to fruition on the outside. But oftentimes as we do it by ourselves, life becomes one giant amusement park. Ups and downs and ups and downs. But can I just share with you that I don't believe that's what life is supposed to be? I don't believe that our life is to be a continual up and down moment, but I believe that our life is to be an issue or process of ins and outs. What do I mean by that? God is working in so that we can work it out. Let, Let me say that again. God is working in. God's working on the inside. God's doing the work deep inside of us, and now we are called, according to God's Word, to work out what he's been doing on the inside of our lives. Let me remind you once again of verse 13. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's God's amazing grace that is working in us and through us as we, listen carefully, allow him. God's not going to do any more than we allow him to do. God's not going to force himself upon you. But if we will open up our hearts, if you will just say, God, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your work be done. Lord, not what I'm trying to accomplish on my own. Lord, whatever you have in store, look at that, He's given you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He's laying inside of you the opportunity to accomplish what He's created you to be in the very beginning. So this morning, I want to give you very quickly three provisions. Did you know that God's our provider? One of His names is Jehovah Jireh, which means God is our provider. I want to give you three provisions, three things that God gives to us. Number one is this. There's a purpose to achieve. Every single one of us this morning has a purpose to achieve. Right? 
Now, here's the deal. My purpose may be different than your purpose. Now, I understand we have the same basic purpose. That's to love God. That's to follow after Him. That's to share the good news. But the way that He has spun that in my life may be different than what He has for you. The goal is to discover what is that purpose that God has for your life or for my life. Our text, again, this time read from the New International Version, says it this way, Therefore, my dear, uh, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work. Now, I think that's very important. Because that suggests that it was already happening on the front side. Right? If you're going to continue something, that means that you're already doing it. Paul says, I know that you've been obedient. I know that you've trusted God, not only in my presence, but now in my absence. So what I want you to do is continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So what does our text really mean? Does it mean that we have to earn our way to heaven? That I've got to work this thing out on my own? That the only way that I can come into the very presence of God for all eternity is to be the best me that I can be? To be perfect in every situation? No. You know why? Because I'm faulty at best. Right? Anybody else faulty? Anybody else ever make a mistake? Yeah, the Bible says every one of us do. We all fall short. Does that mean that we just give up and go, wow, I'll just do anything I want because I mess up? No. The Bible also says be holy because God is holy. So I've got a goal to achieve, and even though I may stumble and trip along the way, I've got a goal to achieve, and that goal is to be more and more like Christ. So I've got to work out what God is pouring in to my life. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. There's no way that we can be good enough on our own. But the good news is this, Jesus has already paid the price for you and for me. I don't have time this morning to give you all these scriptures, the numerous scriptures that support that idea, but suffice it to say that John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent Jesus, right? Anyone who believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Verse 17 goes on to say, but Jesus came not to condemn the world, but the world through Him might be saved. And then 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, He's faithful, He's just, to forgive our sins and to cleanse us of all the wrong we've ever done. That's the good news. That shows me that I don't have to do this by myself. I don't have to accomplish this task on my own. I need a Savior. I need Jesus. And praise God, Jesus came on my behalf. But let's look back at our text. The phrase, work out. Work out your salvation. It actually means to work to full 
completion. In Paul's day, they also used this phrase when talking about working a mine. In other words, getting all that you possibly can, all of the valuable ore that you can possibly discover, get all of it out of the mine, or working a field, obtaining the greatest harvest that you can possibly obtain. That's what God wants for your life. That's what God wants for my life. He wants us to to gain all that we possibly can. Remember John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I, Jesus, have come what? So you might have life and have it in abundance. One translation said, have it in completion. God wants you to have a full, complete life, but we must do our part to work the field as we walk with Jesus. He supplies us. He gives us all that we need. He begins to work that on the inside. He begins to stir those things. He begins to surface that which needs to be changed in our lives. But it's our responsibility to work that out. We're to work hard to show the results of that which God has already placed inside of us. Now remember, it's an outward manifestation of an inward life. Our walk with Christ as we represent Him in all that we say and all that we do should not just be a facade. It shouldn't just be a a, a moment of putting on a false mask, but it's working out. It's displaying on the outside what God has already placed on the inside of our lives. Every one of us has potential. Every one of us has a purpose. God simply wants to help you discover what that purpose is for your life. I'll say it again. Each one of our purposes is slightly different. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. The first thing is you've got to grab a hold of that, my friend. Some of you struggle with that. Some of you have a hard time seeing yourself as a masterpiece. But I want you to know that you are God's masterpiece. Again, not perfect, but He's created you for a reason. He has a plan for your life. You are God's masterpiece. He created you anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do the good things He planned for us long ago. This is telling me that there's a plan that God has for me. There's a plan that God has for you. We must get on track with Him. We must follow that plan that He set up for us so long ago. But now, Paul in verse 14 and 15, he kind of shows us that there's a difference between the follower of Christ and the follower of the world. Did you know that there's a difference between the Christian and that person that is of the world? Like, those that don't like special things understood that. Look at this. He says in verse 14, do everything, look at your neighbor and say everything, Do everything without complaining or arguing. You know what that says to me? 
work it out. Work it out. No matter what you face, do everything without complaining. Do everything without arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean and innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of, here it is, crooked and perverse people. According to Scripture, we live in a world that's twisted, that's distorted, that's messed up, that's crooked, that's perverse, that's on the opposite track of the things of God. But as the believer, as the Christian, look at this, we have to go against the flow. We've got to swim upstream, if you would. It's going to be a little bit hard work. It's going to take some effort. There's going to be some issues along the way. There's going to be some current that pushes against us. But we've got to work out. We've got to do our parts to live the life, to shine the light of Jesus in this dark, crooked, perverse world. Because honestly, this world doesn't have a whole lot to offer. Right? But Jesus has everything to offer. Hope, Life, change, a future. He lays it all out. And as the believer, as the Christian, one of our responsibilities is to share that, to display that to this broken world. In other words, as we allow God to achieve this purpose in our lives, we become better witnesses in a world that desperately needs Jesus. Now, the world doesn't understand they need Him. Let's be real. They don't realize that He's the answer. They're searching for love. As the old country song says, searching for love in all the wrong places. You're welcome. You're going to sing that all afternoon. The world is searching for acceptance. They're searching for somebody to say, you know what, I care about you. So why not, since we know the truth, since we have that hope, since we have a connection with the Father, since He's already placing that inside of us, why not? Why not begin to work that out? Why not offer that to the world? You see, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, those were the, the religious guys, the, the church folk that were so consumed with what to do and what not to do. They had so isolated themselves or even insulated themselves from reality that they developed an artificial kind of self-righteousness. It was totally unlike the righteousness that God had for them. But it's not leaving this world and that's what they were trying to do if i can just separate myself from everything then that maybe maybe then and only then will i be what i need to be but jesus said no 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 no. what i've called you to do is get right in the midst of where they are and make sure your light shines bright 
Grow, go right in the midst of the difficulty. Go right in the midst of the opposition. Go right in the midst of the hurt. Go right in the midst of the struggle. And shine hope. Share love with the world. It was theologian Warren Wearsby that once said this, God is more interested in the working man than in the work. Let that sneak in just for a moment. God is more interested in the working man than in the work. Now, don't misunderstand me. Don't get me wrong here. We all have a responsibility. We all have things we need to do. But it starts with fixing the inside. What are the results of your salvation? What have you begun to work out? What change has taken place in you. You see, we get so caught up in doing things that we lose the real reason for our purpose. We miss out on, on the power that He has for us. That's our second point, our second provision. Number one, there's a purpose to achieve. Number two, there's a power to receive. There's a power to receive. This is the basic principle that Paul is alluding to or getting to here. God must work in us before He can work through us. God must work in us before He can work through us. We get so uncomfortable sometimes that we push God aside. We say, God, I'm not really ready yet. But before we can ever before anything exciting or, or before anything can ever transfer to the outside, it's got to be cultivated on the inside. Before I can ever really make the change in the culture around me, I've got to say, God, what's the work I need to do on the inside? Again, Warren Wearsby, God is more interested in the working man than in the work. So what is that power that we're talking about. Did you know that you have a power available to you? Now, if you're new to Encounter Church, maybe you haven't heard about this before, but it's, it's something we talk about semi-regular. We have the Holy Spirit. See, oftentimes, as a people, as a church, many churches, they try to run with just two-thirds of the Godhead. Oh, I know who God is, God the Father. He's the one that spoke the world into existence, right? He's the one that sent Jesus. So, so I also know who Jesus is. He's my, my Savior, my Lord, my Redeemer, the one that paid the ultimate price for me. But there's a third part of the Godhead, and that's the Holy Spirit. Look what the Bible says in John chapter 14. Jesus is speaking. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. That's good news, right? No matter how difficult things get, no matter how frustrating life gets, the Holy Spirit will never leave us. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive Him. Why? Because it isn't looking for Him and doesn't recognize Him. This world, as we know it, they're not going to receive the Holy Spirit because they're not looking for the Holy Spirit. They're looking in all other directions. They're looking for hope here. They're looking for love there. They're looking for acceptance over there. But they're missing out on the Holy Spirit. 
But Jesus goes on to say, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. This same Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about, that was at Jesus' disposal, that was in the New Testament, is available to each and every one of us today. We simply need to accept him. But I've also discovered something else. Not only is the Holy Spirit there, but there are two other entities that are biting for our attention, that are biting for our life, that are working against us every single moment. Number one is the flesh. This old man inside of us. Romans chapter 7 says, when we were controlled by the old nature, sinful desires were at work within us, and the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds, resulting in death. So the old flesh side of us, we have two sides. We have our spirit man. This is the part that's given its life to Jesus Christ. Now remember, the Bible says because of the price that Jesus paid, we're no longer the same. The old man is what? Dead. And the new man is alive. We had our water baptism last week demonstrating that fact that the old man was buried and put to death and now the new man is alive. But the problem is that fleshly desire every once in a while tries to rear its ugly head. But we also have our enemy, the adversary, the devil. Ephesians 2 2 says this, You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. Oh, I hear you. Pastor, I I was never a Satan worshiper. I never, I never follow after the devil. Here's the deal, folks. It's either God or the enemy, devil. One or the other. There's not this middle ground of, well, I'm just kind of hanging out here and see what happens. No, it's either God or the devil, one of the two. So either you're following the way of God, either you're following the Spirit, either you're following the will of the Father, or you're following the evil desires of our enemy, Satan. Right? Come on, let that sink in. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world, he is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. So how do we conquer these forces? How do we conquer this old fleshly man? How do we conquer the enemy? By hiding the word of God in your heart. By spending time in prayer. I've said it many times. How we know the one that's going to win is the one that you feed. My daughter had a goldfish one time. She's not here. She's in college, so I can tell this story. And she should have gotten out of bed this morning and be in church, so she's not even watching this. So I'm safe. So she had this fish one time, and it was in a little tank on her desk, and she thought it was really cute, and it was kind of a purpley color, and it was swimming around all the time, and the problem is she stopped feeding it. And then we realized one day, not only is the fish dead, but it's dead, stuck up against the plant that's in there. Why? Because she didn't take time to feed the fish. Yet many years ago, we had a little fish pond outside of our house. And I would feed these fish every night. Those little goldfish that we paid 25 cents for, threw in the tank to see what would happen, were about that long. Why? Because we fed them every night. I was out at Gary's house a little while back, and some of you know Gary, some don't, but they have a pond out at their house, and every night they feed the fish, right? 
And they said they can just walk out there and kind of shake that fish container, and you start seeing the fish jump. Why? Because they're ready to be fed. In your spiritual life, there are entities that are ready to be fed. The flesh wants to be fed. The enemy wants to be fed. But also your spirit, man, the the life that you've given to Christ wants to be fed. And the one that you feed is the one that's going to grow. So let me give you our third provision. Number one, there's a purpose to achieve. Number two, there's a power to receive. And number three, there's a promise to believe. There's a promise to believe. There was an old song that we used to sing as kids. Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Every promise in the Word of God is yours. The Bible says it's been completed because of Jesus Christ. So what is that promise that we're talking about this morning? What is the promise that we can believe in today? Is it that life is always going to be great, that we can be happy all the time? No. See, that's unrealistic. Because life is going to throw hiccups your way. Life's going to throw opposition your direction. But it's the joy that comes into the heart of the person that surrenders to God. One that surrenders control of situations. One that surrenders control of circumstances over to God and God alone. In fact, in Matthew chapter 5, it says this, God blesses those who depend only on Him. God blesses those people who depend only on Him. They belong to the kingdom of heaven. What is that blessing? It's a joy that only He can give. Some of you in your life, you've come to the place that you've become dependent upon circumstances. You consider yourself joyful or happy when everything is working out just right. When everybody likes you, when everybody responds to your Facebook post, when everybody gives you that thumbs up when you put that comment, when everybody compliments you, when everything seems to fall into place, then, then life is great and then I can be full of joy. But can I just tell you, there's going to become a point in time when people don't like your post. There's going to come a point in time when somebody doesn't like you. When situations aren't as good as you thought they'd be. Can I encourage you today to stop depending upon circumstance to bring about joy? Begin today to turn to the joy, the only joy that will always last. But I love what Paul says. Paul says in verse 17 and 18, he says, but I will rejoice. I love this. Paul says, no matter what, No matter what I come up against, no matter what I face, no matter how difficult it is, no matter what, I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God. 
And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice. And I will share your joy. It's remarkable to me that in these two verses where Paul talks about sacrifice, he uses the word joy and rejoice, and then he repeats them. Most of us, we hear the idea of sacrifice and suffering, and we think, oh, that's sorrow. But Paul said, no, 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 no. It's a road. It's a road to joy. It's a road to rejoicing. It's my opportunity to rely upon God, to depend upon Him. It's my opportunity to receive the blessing from the Father. I challenge you today. As you're moving through life, as God begins to work in you, would you begin to work hard? Would you work out what He has placed in you? Again, life is not to be a roller coaster of ups and downs, but a process of ends and outs, of receiving the power that He has for you, of receiving the purpose that He's placed inside of you. And yes, of grabbing a hold of the promise that He's laid before you. Would you pray with me today, God? Lord, we call out to you. Lord, this idea of working out our salvation is not always easy. Because life throws curveballs. So Lord, I pray right now that you'll help us. Help us to turn to you, to trust in you, to rely upon you. We need you, God. It's the only way that we can work this out. Thank you for what you're doing inside of us. Church, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, a couple questions I want to ask you. Number one is this. This It's the most important question of life. I ask it every single week. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I don't have Jesus in my life. Listen carefully. Every one of us messes up at some point in time. Every one of us falls short. But the good news, God loves you so much that He sent Jesus to die on the cross for you. So if that's you, you're here today and you say, Pastor, I need Jesus in my life. If you'd like to accept Him as your Lord and Savior, maybe you're coming back to Him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Would you let me pray with you today? Yeah, there's one. Come on, is that you? There's two. Come on, is that you? All across the house. I want to pray a prayer this morning. I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer after me. It's a simple prayer. It admits that we mess up. We just read it a moment ago. First John says, we confess our sins. 
He's faithful. He's just to forgive us. So this prayer says, Lord, I've messed up. I've sinned in my life. I've done some wrong things. But I ask you to come in. I want you to know if you pray that prayer, if you confess your sins, if you lay before him, he promises to step in on your behalf to wash you white as snow to give you a new life. Would you pray that prayer with me all across the house? Dear God, I admit I have sinned. I've made some wrong choices. I've done some things I shouldn't have done. But I ask you right now, forgive me. Come into my life. Make me brand new. I thank you for your love. I thank you for the price you paid for me. I thank you for coming out of the grave. And I thank you for this brand new life. From this day forward, I want to walk with you. I want to follow your lead. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer this morning, I want to talk to you right after the service. I'm going to be standing right up here. Come see me. I've got some information for you that I want to give you and make sure that you are equipped in your walk with Christ. The second question is this. You're here today and you say, Pastor, I've got a relationship with Jesus. But I haven't really been working this thing out. It's kind of moving around on the inside of me, but I haven't really begun to allow it to be expressed to the outside. And I want God's help today. That's you. Would you raise your hand? Yeah, I want to pray for you. Thank you, God. Lord, thank you, God, that we can trust in you. Thank you, Lord, that you're working in us. You're working through us. You're giving us the courage to work it out. We give ourselves to you right now, God. Our desire is to walk in step with you. We love you, God. Bless your people. Use your people. Lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name.